Hello, and thanks for listening to this episode of the Mount Sinai Health Partners podcast. I'm Rob Fields. I'm the CMO for Pop Health here at Mount Sinai. Um, and I have with me Stephen Furia. So Stephen may not know this, but he was highly influential during my interview process of me coming here. But, uh, wow, I feel honored. <laughs> it, was, it was great. Um, so Stephen's a great guy uh, um, and leads a really cool part of our team that um, uh, we're going to talk about today. Um, so uh, Stephen, I appreciate you joining us. Thanks for having me, Rob. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, if you don't mind telling us uh, your story about how you ended up in this role, we'll talk yeah, about sure. what the role is leading our yep. commercialization team, but we'll unpack that a little bit. So I guess I'm getting on in years, but I've been prob- <laughs> I've been in healthcare now for about 20 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had most of my time in healthcare has been spent on, if you will, the demand side of uh-huh. the healthcare industry. Uh Long stints with Cigna and Aetna, which were great stints. Also a stint with Trizetto, uh, but they were all really close to sort of the customers of healthcare. So, in a large employer, a large labor union, uh, the health plans uh, with whom they contract to get access to health coverage for uh, their employees or the union members. Um, it was a great way to grow up in the industry and learn the industry. And um, at my time at Aetna, I got a chance to, in that role, sort of, it was, it was yes, still about customer value, right? but it was getting that through Aetna forming deep relationships with health systems. Okay. Instead of them just being a participant in the Aetna network, it right. was, hey, can we partner in a different way to create value? Fantastic experience, mm-hmm. incredible learning experience. And sort of opened up my eyes to what's going on on the supply side of healthcare. And as I worked with a lot of great systems around the country, I think my interest level in um, in joining that side uh, grew. And I think it grew largely in part uh, as I dug into, I think, the challenge that we're faced with, and we'll get into talking about it, I'm sure. It's an affordability crisis. Mm-hmm. And... You know, if you're if you're a healthcare policy wonkish kind of person, you'll right. read about you know the research that Jack Wenberg has done or others have done, and you'll you'll have that. Hey, we have thirty percent waste in the system. Number in sure. your mind, right? right? And um, you know, I just wanted to be part of being on the supply side because I felt like closer to the doctor patient relationship was where you had a a better chance at getting that value, at waste out of the system. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to crack the affordability crisis nut, you're going to have to get at that waste identification and elimination. So that's what brought me uh, to Mount Sinai. And what I what I also got really attracted to was, um, unlike a lot of other health systems that sort of viewed population health um, exclusively through the lens of their existing patients. Mm-hmm. Patients that come to us today, we're going to do great population health management programs. Mm-hmm. We'll partner with our health plans to get paid for the value we create. Right. And that's awesome and necessary. But what I loved about the vision that I heard from the leadership at Mount Sinai was, and you know what? As we find things in serving our existing patients that create value, can we bottle that? Can we package that? Can we assemble it into a product offering? And then actually go out and use that product offering to get new patients. And we do that 
uh, you know, or they wanted to do that um, in partnership, obviously, with our health plan partners. Um, and then we had a number of labor unions that would come to us mm-hmm. directly asking for solutions. And so um, that just sounded like a really cool challenge to me yeah. to merge the, you know, the close to 20 years of, of time that I spent serving the customers of healthcare or the purchaser uh, to be able to find that union of purchaser and supplier, if you will. Yeah. And the, I mean, the idea is by... You know, in the typical way, let's let's go back. You know, twenty years, thirty years. Um, in, in the typical way, a, a system would go after patients is either market share. We'd employ a bunch of docs, perhaps, or um, we create a new ortho line or something yeah. to try to attract yep. patients. And it's purely a, a market share strategy. And it, and it sounds like what you're describing is we're trying to gather new patients by demonstrating value. That's exactly it. I think it's sort of a, a business development shift or addition. Uh, from the traditional physician-centric mm-hmm. business development, if you're a health system, to saying we actually have to engage with our customer directly mm-hmm. um, in partnership with health plans, usually, because we're not going to displace them. Um, but basically engaging them, find out what creates value, and assemble our assets to do more of that stuff that creates value. Yeah. When you, uh, uh, So I'm curious, um, in your work within your team and building these products, if you will, for lack of a better word, you're, you're really um, selling the value of Mount Sinai, right, in lots of different ways. Who is your customer? Yeah, it's, I mean, I think at the end of the day, if you kind of take a step back from it, um, I would say, you know, each of us as individuals who need health coverage are the ultimate customers. Sure. And there's, a, through the press, I mean, you you pick up the paper invariably each week, there's going to be some article about Medicare, Medicaid, you know, on some intractable in path in terms of affordability right. for those programs right. of coverage. Um, less press gets devoted to large employers who still f- provide coverage for the majority, the of, majority Americans, of people. Sure, of course, um, and are really struggling to do it. That started to change in recent years, mm-hmm. um, and I would say, you know. The work we're doing, I'd say, on Medicare, it's easier to, to increase value for Medicare and Medicaid through the programs, Rob, that your team works on mm-hmm. for the patients that come to Mount Sinai today. Because there's not that way to really sell a product. Right. But that's different than on the employer side, where increasingly, I would say, the biggest trend on the employer purchaser side is an acknowledgement that there's a major affordability crisis right. and that they have to stop. I don't want to say stop purchase. They have to change how they buy health care from what has been the traditional, everybody's in the network, <laughs> right. all providers. The dumb networks. Exactly. Right. From that mm-hmm. to something that is much more of a value-centric, yeah. I want to buy, if I'm a purchaser today, I think I want to buy more of my health care spend, spend more of my health care dollars. Uh, with higher value providers, mm-hmm. it's kind of like the analogy to cable companies, where you're now seeing yeah. the cu- cord cutting. Right. You know, if I wanted ESPN and I found value in ESPN, I couldn't just buy that. I had to buy it with all this other stuff, all right. these other channels, right, right, in a bundle. Right. And I think increase, and that's kind of how it's been. You know, if you want Mount Sinai, we look, we think we're the highest value in New York City. Mm-hmm. But the only way you're going to get us through traditional purchasing is largely in a PPO network with a lot of other providers that we think offer less value than mm-hmm. we do. Um, and so increasingly, I think the purchasers are seeking out those that have higher value. And that's, I'd say, why we would focus more of our time on 
large employers, large labor unions as sort of an area of focus for our, our initial efforts. Yeah, no, that makes a ton of sense. Uh, I have a. We'll get to a little bit of the specific things that you guys have built and yep. the strategies, but I'm. Also curious in going out there, I imagine that a lot of your team is dealing with uh, both CEO and COO types as well as HR folks. They're not clinical folks. And not only are they purchasing health insurance, but they're purchasing retirement. But they have to become, it's almost like a congressman. They have to be experts in all seemingly random, unrelated things on behalf of their employees. And so I'm curious about how much education you and your team has to do to make them a smarter consumer? Mm. It's a good question. I think the consumer is a heck of a job that we all have to do in the industry to educate them about value in their consumption, when they do need a service, when they don't. Right. Um, The purchasers, believe it or not, I think are starting to, you know, really get it. Yeah. Um, Like, I'll just bring up a few of them here. If you look at what Walmart has done with its um, its Centers of Excellence program for specialty care. Mm-hmm. You know, Walmart, if you think about their company culture, it is all about supply chain management, right? right. They basically, ha- it's an, it is a core competence. They are excellent at that. Yeah. And I think they look at their healthcare spend, and of course they're spending a ridiculous amount for having um, over sure. a million people. It's, it's a substantial amount of money right. that they're spending. And, and as they look at the you know, spend through the traditional means of buy a health plan and see what, ha- you know, e- each individual goes to whatever dock, they just see huge price variation. So, you know, and I'll just at least speak to my market. I don't know about a lot of other markets, but in New York City, something like a hip replacement surgery, you could see variation from as low as $35,000, $40,000 for that procedure across the whole episode. To approaching a hundred thousand dollars. Oh my gosh! Now, For, with no change in quality. With no real, you really can't see the yeah. change in outcomes. Yeah. Um, and so, a Walmart looks at that, and it's just like does not compute with their culture. Right? right. Their culture is, I get one price. There is no variation on it. I right. get the best service levels with that price. Right. And that's that. By the way, that's kind of a good thing, right? For right. any any market economy to have. A customer is really just going to push you to be your best. And, um, you know, I think what Walmart has done is um, for joint replacements, knee and hips, uh, for weight loss surgery, for low back pain spine, they've created these centers of excellence around the country. And they're at a point where they would rather fly their people to these centers of excellence than leave them in their home geographies to experience uh, care delivery with the lower value providers that right. predominate the area, right. and so you know I think they um, they were they did a Harvard Business Review case on it, and it was something along the lines of out of every I think only sixty percent of cases referred for spine surgery that was going to happen in their home geography. Yeah, when they go to the center of excellence, places like Mayo and Geisinger and others. Um, only six percent of the six zero percent of the time does the COE say yes, surgery is warranted. Right. So Walmart looks at it and says, well, okay, value lever one is should this is the surgery the right treatment right. approach? Yeah. And then value lever two is, of course, they get it a really good deal when it is warranted. Right. And so, and we're starting to see that locally. You know, the work that we're doing uh, with a, a number of prominent labor unions and large employers, where they're increasingly looking at in New York, Mount Sinai, you know, 18th ranked hospital in the U.S. 
18th ranked medical school in the US. We'll go toe to toe with anybody in our market on quality. But you look at our prices and we've we've traditionally been much more efficient than other players. Mm-hmm. And so the more you can channel specialty care to Mount Sinai, you're gonna get better value. And so, you know, right. you know some of the programs I, I don't wanna, you know, say the names, but for hip replacement programs, we save customers something like $15,000 per procedure off average oh cost gosh. that they're paying. That's unbelievable. And, right. you know, and then 97 NPS in the program because we do all the great things that your team does in population yeah, health. That's and net promoter it. score if those that aren't, yeah, yeah, sorry, don't know yeah. what NPS in is. Their <laughs> that's industry right. jargon. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know, so you start to look at it and say, well, why would you go and spend more than what Mount Sinai will do it for in this market right. when you get great patient outcomes and satisfaction, including satisfaction, yeah. and when you save 15 grand a case? It just it doesn't it, make any sense. Yeah. Like we always, I mean, I always talk about that in the, when we're giving pop health talks, is that you never go to, to Walmart using that same example and, spay, and spend 50% more on the on the toaster when there's an equally good one for, for half the cost. And we, we yeah. demand it in every other product, but somehow healthcare there's a little bit of a gap, right? And, yeah, and, and I mean, that's, I mean, I think Walmart's in the vanguard. The labor union with whom we work is in the vanguard. Um, it's still not super predominant, but right. it's beginning to change. Yeah. Um, you know, I think a lot of our health plan partners are launching similar programs where they'll say, look, I, I think these are the best, highest value players. We're going to make it more expensive to go to the lower value, value mm-hmm. players in centers of excellence type mm-hmm. programs that each of their employer purchasers will buy. So that's beginning to change. The other thing that's starting to happen is I think primary care and urgent care is pretty inconsistent in the value it delivers. Mm-hmm. And so um, we're seeing a lot of movement from large employers and large labor unions to say, you know what, I know how to create a great service experience. And that's what I want to create with this primary care, um, you know, a solution for my employees. So you know what I'll do? I'll hire the people, or I'll hire a vendor to hire the people to do it my way. So if you're in a you know financial services firm, if you're a law firm, uh, pharmaceuticals, it is big money uh, for you. The productivity of your people's time matters. And so if you can bring high-quality primary care to the work site or nearby it and ensure that it's going to be that high net promoter score for the consumer, they're going to feel like 8 out of 10 people are going to be promoters. That's, mm-hmm. that's what you want. And almost in a way that it gets at um, the cost driver of self-referrals. Because just a lot of consumers have these open access plans. Yeah, especially in New York. Yep. Exactly. And right. it's sort of like I have you know, a symptom. And instead of considering primary care, I'm just self-referring out to specialists. Sure. And Rob, we know what happens, right? Yeah. I mean, we're in our when we're in population health risk contracts, we want internists to do as much care as they yeah. can with right. what they've been trained to do. Right. Um, and specialty care should only really be used when yeah. it's necessary. But of that's course, right. that's not the case. Right. And so I think that you know, for the to the productivity argument. Uh, we're seeing those those um, you know, verticals, I think, begin to invest in their own primary care. Same thing with labor unions. Big ones have got their own health centers mm-hmm. that they drive their um, union members to. Hotel Trades in New York City, mm-hmm. uh, the Union Health Center in New York City are two great examples mm-hmm. where the unions have said, hey, wait a second, this is these are our dollars, right. and we want our people treated differently. And if dollars get wasted, 
those that's wages lost right. to a, a labor union, right? right? So some yes, some white collar com- verticals, yeah. but also some blue collar unions that are saying, wait a second. We're not getting the value we want. You know what? We can do this better ourselves yeah. by having a health center devoted to our population. What we're doing, yeah. And so that that leads us to the discussion of some of the specific programs and products you guys, because I mean, I think worksite health centers and other things are are on the list. Um, maybe let's highlight some of the top priorities for you guys in terms of the the types of relationships yeah. to that you're you're building with these, some of these folks. Yeah, I mean, if you're Mount Sinai and you sort of read the tea leaves on some of those trends we just talked about, mm-hmm. the Walmarts doing centers of excellence and other health plans doing that, or the financial services firms and unions starting their own primary care centers that they right. run, um, you know, it kind of it disrupts your your business. It just um, it is also, I think, something that you ought to look at and say, "Geez, why is this happening?" Right. You know, we do a great job at primary care. We think. Right. Why is it that they want to build their own primary care centers? Yeah. That's got to be a concern. Um, I'd be really worried building a service line for orthopedics if I didn't have a mentality around what's going on with centers of excellence with employees. Because traditionally, how those uh, orthopedic service lines get their revenue is physician referrals. Right. Well, what happens if you're not that patient that gets referred from that doc? Isn't in, We're not in the network. Right. For their benefit scheme right. that the employers have set up. So punchline of all those trends I mentioned earlier, and I don't think this is just Mount Sinai. I think this is providers, suppliers yeah. in general yeah. across the country. Really have to start to look at it and say, I can't rely just on these physician referral channels. If I don't prove to the customer, whether that be their health plan representative mm-hmm. or partners with us or them directly, if I don't prove to them that I've got the highest value, I'm going to, over time, not, I'm going to lose share. Mm-hmm. And so um, to some degree, you could look at it as we looked. I'll talk to you about what we're doing. But to some degree, you could look at it from a defensive posture to say sure. we might lose share if we don't prove that. If we don't that. do something, yeah. Um, but when I look at Mount Sinai's quality divided by its relatively lower price, I actually see it as an offense play because – we have, the high, I think, the highest value of services in the city. So what we've begun to do yeah. is to say, well, instead of hiring a vendor to run your on-site or near-site health center, why don't you hire a health system like Mount Sinai? And yes, we can do the on-site primary care and urgent care, but when inevitably someone sure. needs a radiology service or a specialty care service or something more, somebody gets really sick... We can also help you there, too. Yeah, right. And importantly, every time we help you, it's at that lower price point mm-hmm. than what you would otherwise see if they just sort of found their way to a higher price, lower value right. option. Uh, so we've begun to, for individual purchasers, we have a labor union that we do this for, as well as a large financial services firm that we do this for. Uh, we employ the doctors at health centers at their workplaces. So in the basement of the financial services firm uh, in Manhattan, uh, you know, we've got about 10 FTEs in about an 8,000-square-foot health center, and they pay us directly Which is no joke. People. That's a pretty big it, space. Yeah, and I mean, it's 10,000 employees in the, yeah. in the location. Yeah. And it's fantastic because you can really just do some fun things. You yeah. can integrate into they have a beautiful facility, yeah. and they've got a beautiful fitness facility. So we've already begun to work with the fitness center operator mm-hmm. to do things like 
um, helping people that are real uh, running enthusiasts. Mm-hmm. Our physiatry uh, team went in there and did a program that we called Running Day. Yeah. So we get you up on the treadmill for about 15 minutes, look at the gait of how you run and say, hey, you know, maybe you've had ankle problems or knee problems or hip problems because you're kind of running like this. If you took these corrective actions, it could really help yeah. you out. It really just becomes kind of a cool wellness hook. Because yep. once you get them on that, then it can be like, hey, can I talk to you about these other things that I want you to work on and to become yeah. a healthier Set person? Set some health goals yeah. and think upstream a little bit. So it's really cool when you have the ability to look at a particular population and really can purpose build something mm-hmm. at the site. So we do are doing things like that. And that's actually, um, I'd say our biggest culmination of that is going to be the launch of our health center at Hudson Yards, where there are about, a, I think it's something like 35,000 people that work there, mm-hmm. another three to 5,000 that live there. Uh, and we're building something purpose-built to that community. Very exciting uh, project for us. Mm-hmm. Um, and in those models, the reimbursement really becomes a value-based one. It's not fee-for-service reimbursement. Right. The intention is, let's try to do something that elevates the service level, change the reimbursement structure such that we can deliver outcomes. And, and they hold us accountable to it with service levels. Mm-hmm. Um, on specialty care, we have centers of excellence that we've launched for hip and knee replacements, for weight loss surgery, um, and then in the offing uh, for endoscopies, uh, scopes in general, and then also for low back pain and spine. Seems to be the thing that that groups like Walmart want to buy and the labor unions in New York City want to buy. Um, And the value there really becomes, again, if we can deliver a price point and guarantee that price point across the episode that is 10, 15 points less than what you're paying, Mm -hmm. Um, and we're a fantastic deliverer of care, it's kind of a Mm no-brainer for uh, purchasers that begun to awaken and say, I want to buy a higher value option. So we've done that with a very large labor union in New York City. We've been able to save them millions of dollars, uh, and the patients that come through the programs have 90s on the Consumer Net Promoter Score. Um, and then, of course, a good thing happens. We earn a greater share of their business. And that's kind of like the good part of capitalism, right? Mm-hmm. If we've got the highest value solution in the market, we should see a larger share. And that's sort of, I think, a win-win-win. Yeah, the employer absolutely. is happy or the union's happy because they saved money and got great uh, uh, care for their covered lives. Uh, the individual's happy because they typically have low out-of-pocket, if no out-of-pocket, for these programs. And then also very high satisfaction because of all the things that we do to serve them. And then we're happy because we earned greater share, but importantly for us, we earned it because we delivered the best value to right. the customer. And right. That's the big difference. So those are the things that we're up to. Yeah. Um, as we're as we're running out of time, because I know we we could keep talking. There are other things in terms of what we're doing with with payers. Maybe we'll come back and do another yeah. podcast sometime about some of those things. But I am curious about one question. I as um, folks that are listening, either within or outside of the system, and and you, I think you spoke to it just uh, just a second ago. But I think it's worth reinstating having this conversation with providers that were trained and. It was. It's burned into their consciousness to uh, provide care a certain way, mm-hmm. and we're talking to them about delivering value and the the reflexive responses. Well, I already, de- you know, I already right. deliver value all the time. Um, what's been the most compelling argument or conversation you've had with providers that has got get, that gets them on board with yeah. this? I mean, I think it's 
a lot of the providers at, at Mount Sinai that we work with, they just sort of get that this is the right way to do it. But to your point, they, you know, there may be slightly different ways that they go about doing it. When they see that the customer is actually willing to, to send more volume their way, yeah. then they start to see the economic argument about, should I change at all? So the first hurdle is really like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm incented to do this. Um, the second one is, hey, it's sensible what they're asking for. It's not like the purchasers we've come across have said, you know, I want some exotic quality improvement. <laughs> right. Or right. I mean, what they want are the things that if we got a group of doctors together, they would all and we said, yeah, like, sit in a room sense. and whiteboard what are the yeah. right things to do. Yeah. Those are the right things to do. And so being yeah. held accountable for that, um, you know, Obviously, we've got a little bit of scorekeeping fatigue across mm-hmm. quality in our industry. One of the things that I think puts a little bit of gas in the tank of the providers is, yeah, this might be the end thing I'm asking you to think about doing, but in return, you're going to see X number of you know of additional cases. And traditionally, they had been like this, well, if I do that, it's bad for the customer. In this case, it's kind of cool that, again, more volume comes because we've delivered more value. So it's a win-win. The customer gets value and the physician sees more uh, business. Um, When you start to see that, you know, virtuous relationship of when you do the right thing, the customer will reward you with more business. That happens everywhere else in our industry. It's not in healthcare. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's right. So it kind of actually becomes the best thing to overcome skepticism and get physicians to sort of, you know, focus on different things. Yeah. Um, The other thing I'd say back to your comment about health plans and agree, it's probably a longer conversation, you know, that. The other thing is I think too many people think and a lot of providers have just said, well, I'm going to form my own health plan and do this. Yeah. You know, I think they just really just look past the important role that the health plans pe- play. Uh, every one of the programs I just described to you that I'm doing, we are doing in concert and in partnership with health plans. In fact, a lot of the health plans will you know, basically say, hey, there's this customer that wants to do X, Y, Z, and you know, Mount Sinai, hey, you might be able to help us. It just, you know, to me, I think it's... The health plan is such an important partner in getting this thing done because the employers are inevitably looking to them for a broader array of things. And if to do this new value-added thing, it requires tremendous upheaval of the broader administrative uh, function that's being typically undertaken by the health plan, it just doesn't work. Right. And so, you know, we've really worked hard with local health plans when we serve a customer, mm-hmm. and it's almost invariably a three-party conversation. The customer, their health plan partner, and Mount and Sinai yeah. saying, how do we together, and we together meaning the health plan and the Mount Sinai, yeah. how do we figure out how to make it not be our customer's problem right. to give them a higher value outcome? And that, and to me, so agree with you. This yeah, is yeah, like a, yeah. this is a whole podcast on yeah. its own, but I, I think it's too much of what I hear from health systems is, well, we don't need the health plan and we'll just build our own and, you know, good luck to you with that strategy. I think it's, I mean, I'm probably a little biased from having spent sure. my time on the health plan side, yeah. but it's an incredibly valuable partnership that I see um, that, you know, doing it together ends up resulting in a better outcome. Sounds like a, a good way to leave it. It's a good, yeah. good last statement. Great. Um, Stephen, I appreciate your time as always. This is cool. I love all the podcast rounds, so it's great to finally get to be part of one. Get so. to do one, yeah. Well, we'll talk again, it sounds like, soon. So, cool. Um, thanks, everyone, for listening. And if you have ideas for future podcasts, please email me at robert.fields at mountsinai.org. Thanks.